How are you guys? Hey. All right. It's amazing to be with you all. Um, again, it's been a long year. <laughs> so um, oh, I'll try to behave. Hey, she's having to do the things. I'm going to wear your arms out tonight, my friend. <laughs> so hello, Instagram land. Like I'm yellow to scene, man. Um, tonight I get to share the word of God um, around a topic that Stephen asked me to preach on as we're doing a series about Back to the Basics. Now, I loved how we started with Back to the Basics. We went into Acts chapter 2, verse 38 through 42, and we look at the basics of what it is to be a church community, hey? The word of God and fellowship and communion and prayer and all that stuff. And one thing I love, having moved to this nation and been a part of this church, is how um, I'm constantly reminded here that I'm part of the body of Christ, it's not about me and just my relationship with Jesus and my journey with Jesus, that, that Jesus expresses himself on this planet through his body corporate, which is all of us. And we're a part of a community. And um, I'm rediscovering in such rich ways the joy of being part of a community. So can I just say you guys are amazing. You guys are wonderful. You guys have been the grace of God with skin on in our family's lives on more than one occasion. And we love you dearly for it. We're so grateful to you and to the Lord. And community is a wonderful thing. With, the, with, all the, with all the nonsense that goes on, because we are still people, hey? <laughs> so we have our warts and we make our mistakes. And God is full of grace. And we love each other. And there's so much beauty. Um, but then the last topic that the Lord laid on Uncle Stephen's heart. Um, there he is. Wimmy. The last topic the Lord laid on Uncle Stephen's heart is not from um, Acts chapter 2, but it's actually one of God's attributes, right? Attributes, that's a fancy word. One of the things that describe the very essence of who God is, and that is holiness. We're going to have a look at it in a funny way, I think. It's a weird, but just bear with me. I'm a weird guy. Um, because we don't understand holiness. So I want to start with a kind of an offbeat story. But my kids and I and my wife, you know, we, we've been watching movies with them since they were small. And so there are some movies that we still love, even though it's not aimed any longer at the age that they are now. Hey, so there's this um, movie, Disney movie, of course, right, where, let me see their names, Jackie Chan, Steve Coogan, and Jim Broadbent collaborated in retelling in a whimsical, offbeat way um, around the world in 80 days. Right? Have y'all seen that? It's a really silly movie. It's set in London around the turn of the 20th century. It's just goofy family comedy. And towards the end of the movie, Jim Broadbent's character, who is a comic villain, um, says this. I'm going to get the quote wrong, so let me just read it here. He says this, Oh, the queen! That inbred, antiquated old cow. The only way she could stop me is if she sat on me with her big, fat, royal bottom. <laughs> She's standing behind me, isn't she? Right. And then he ran. Right? But wait a minute. Your words sounded like you were not afraid of the queen. But when she rocks up, he takes off. Why did he run? He's pretending he's not afraid of the queen, but y'all know there's something about the queen, right? 
There's something about the queen that ain't the same as you and me. There's something about the queen that can bless me greatly or can do me great harm. Because she is not the same as the rest of us. And it's not just her big fat royal bottom. Right? She's a cut above the rest of us. Now we know that the queen is just a human construct. And she really is just another human being. Right? Who's got a job. But, so I don't understand royalty, but God bless him. God love him. But it's just, there's that picture of there's something different about her. And I talked big until she showed up. And then all my bigness disappeared. And then I got afraid. Right? And we, we were sharing this afternoon about how God, Razan said beautifully, God doesn't come with a warning label because he's good. But can I tell you, he's not safe. He's good. But he's not safe, right? He is the lamb and the lion, right? So um, it's just, he's amazing. And what is it about God? He's different than all of us. Leviticus 19, verse 2, and 1 Peter 1, verse 16, both say this. Be holy because I am holy. Holiness, like the queen's unexpected presence, inspired sudden fear in Broadbent's character, there's something about God, something different, something great, something somehow both good and a bit scary, right? Now we know we're his children, right? So we don't have to have an unholy terror, but there is that respect. So what is it? We're just going to look at these passages tonight for a little bit, and we're going to ask some questions. I would like to put this down. It's, I feel like every time I see it, I need to pull one out and wipe my hands. You know, the germaphobe is coming out. So what does holy even mean? Before we get too far, we just need to clear the air. What does holy even mean? And as we have a look at that, I need to reset because it wasn't showing me the clock. <laughs> all right. Well, first of all, let's have a look at what it's not. Yeah, I did, um, I did a big, long word study in the Greek and the Hebrew and all these things. And, you know, there's different words translated. And let's not be ap- academic tonight. I'm just going to share with you the things I learned. But first of all, what it's not, this is really important. Holiness is not a moral code. It's not, right? So we don't have to be intimidated. God said, be holy as I'm holy. I'm done. It's over. I will never measure up to him. Hey, come on. No, right? So don't worry. It's not a moral code. Just like righteousness is not a behavioral code. That's a whole other sermon or message, but righteousness is a relational word, right? If you, if you obey all the laws, but you treat your neighbor terrible, you are not righteous, okay? So righteousness is a, is a relational word, and holiness is not a moral code. It's something else. So we have this term, holier than thou. Y'all ever use that word or hear that word? And we use it to mock people who think they're better than everybody else, who think they're more spiritual or more righteous than everybody else. But when, you, when we use that term, we actually betray that we don't know what holy means. Because holiness is not superior morality or superior behavior. Um, genuine virtue and genuine right relating with others do result from holiness. But that's not what it is. Holiness isn't good behavior Holiness is the fountain from which good behavior springs forth, along with a lot of other things. Hey, so I don't set my sights on good behavior because y'all, I'm going to miss that every time. Every time. I'm talking from many moons of experience, y'all. I set my sights on Jesus. 
right? And then the good behavior comes out of me because he produces it. This is a little secret that Pastor Louie let us in on this morning. In Galatians 5, list the fruit of the Spirit. And y'all ever read that thing and go, I can't. Patience? <laughs> Jesus, if you give me a driver and I ride in the back seat, I might can get patience right. But if you ask me to drive, it's over, man. It's over. Patience, gentleness, self-control. <laughs> wow. Right? But Pastor Louie is so freeing. He shared with us, it's not the fruit of the Christian. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. <gasps> Woo! <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. So I'm telling you, many times in my life, guys, many, many times, I get up. Right. There's something difficult with one of my kids or I know I'm about to drive and I have to drive down Lois Street at 430. Y'all I'm talking about because y'all there's going to be 30 of them parked in the lane. You know what I'm saying? Y'all, can we be real? Right. Like, you know, and I'll get up and this is what I'll say. And it's a valid prayer. I'll get up or I'll sit at the wheel of the car with my knuckles white and I'll say, Jesus, thank you for your fruit. Please produce your fruit of patience through me today. Right? And it's funny, but I, I, the, the joking is over and I cry out, Jesus. When I need to speak to my children, oh, Lord, please produce your fruit of gentleness through me today. God, help me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to damage them for good. I'm going to break them because I'm just full of all mad because I'm a human and I don't want God. Please produce your fruit of self-control through me today. I hope this is helping somebody. This isn't in the notes, right? Right? But that's not holiness. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Holiness is where that stuff comes from. It's something about God and something about me. Because he says, be holy as I am holy. So we're going to look at this, right? So now that we know what holiness ain't, to give you all a Texas word, let's have a look at what holiness is. And I'm going to give you a really funny word, right? Um, I'm going to use two words to describe it. Well, a word and a phrase. The first word is otherness. Otherness, right? Kind of like a Close Encounters of the Third Kind kind of vibe. But yeah, how many of y'all don't even know that that's a movie? Okay, sorry. All right. Uh, just move on. Google it. <laughs> but don't watch it. It's crazy slow. All right. But it's about aliens. All right. Otherness. Okay. What I mean by otherness is that God is not the same as, as me. I was at a conference. We, my wife and I went to a marriage conference one time. And said, hey, Lord, speak to us about marriage. We always need to grow. We want to grow together, right? One of, one of my goals, one of my bucket list goals in life is I'm going to get old, I'm going to get old happy, and I'm going to get old happy with this girl, right? So we went to a marriage conference, and, and, that's, and, and we were there, and ugh, it was okay. You know what I'm saying? Do you ever go to something, and it's just, it's just meh, you know? And this one guy was speaking, and he was giving it. Hey, he was he was trying, but shame. I'm sorry if I was offending y'all, uh, but he was trying, and it was it was good. It was okay, but then at the end, he had this repeat after me prayer, right? And he went on for like ten minutes, and I was getting bored, and I was like, I'm supposed to be talking to Jesus, but man, repeat after me, over and over, repeat after me, and then he got to this part. And he had us, he wanted us to repeat the prayer, to repeat these words, my divinity. And I clammed up. I was like, nope. And um, Shandra looked at me. She didn't feel like saying it either. And afterwards, we're leaving. She said, why didn't we want to say my divinity? And I was like, because I ain't divine. 
He lives in me, but make no mistake. Now, this is what came to me. I've been to the Drakensberg, and I, I want to go again. This is the best hiking. The Drakensberg and Table Mountain and the Cape and Cape Agulhas. Oh, yeah, now I'm lost. I just love to hike. Man. But I have hiked in the Drakensberg, and I have gotten lost in the Drakensberg. <laughs> and I feel, it's not true, but I felt like I was chased by baboons in the Drakensberg. They bark, y'all. No, that's creepy. <laughs> what? Man, anyway. But I was, I hiked in the Drakensberg. I set my feet on those mountains. I wish Kevin was here because he loves it, hey? And I set my feet there. And you know what? Those mountains did not even notice me. Man, they didn't even know I was there. They didn't say hi. They didn't have the trees wave. No, the baboons, the baboons noticed, right? But the mountains didn't notice nothing. It didn't matter. They didn't, they didn't even feel my feet, right? They didn't feel me at all. I'm kind of a big guy, and they still didn't notice. But the Bible says the hills melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. Because that's divinity. I'm man. He is not. He is God. He's not the same as you and me, y'all. Now, he came as a man. Now, think about it. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. What? Even Jesus right? There were moments when the disciples were absolutely terrified. And Jesus, think about this. There's a, there's a storm, okay? And, and they're bailing water out. And the waves are over, overtaking the boat. And they can't bail the water out fast enough. The boat's about to founder. They're about to go down. They are scared for their lives. The wind, the waves, the rain, it's going crazy. And Jesus chilling in the back of the boat asleep. And he didn't even notice, you know? And finally, one of them goes, because when you're about to die, what do you do? You go to your leader. Hey, do something. You know, they go to him. Hey, are you not even noticing? You know, we're, we're about to die here. And he sits up and goes, shame, y'all. You know, and he, and he speaks to the winds and the waves to be still. And I, I never noticed this. I had to, I was Googling Mr. R.C. Sproul, Uncle Stephen. And um, R.C. Sproul pointed this out. When he calmed the winds and the waves, the danger was gone, right? But read the story. They were more scared after the storm was stilled than before. What scared them? He said, what kind of dude is this? He just made a storm go away. Man, I've been talking to the wind my whole life. He didn't do nothing, I told him. But this guy said, be still once. Done. They were petrified. And I'm like, y'all about to die a minute ago, and you're more scared now. Why? Because Jesus is not the same as you and me. He became one of us, but he is God, and I am not. They're talking about otherness, right? Um, R.C. Sproul describes it as a cut above, right? Something special, something different. And we're, there's a concept about holiness. You can even use things here on the earth, not nearly as holy as God, but to sort of understand it. How many of y'all know Christmas Day is just a bit different than the other days, right? In most of the world. I don't have to go to work. My kids don't have to go to school. Both of us are quite happy about this, right? There's a lot of stores that aren't open. When I was a kid, there weren't any stores that were open. Man, you couldn't even go to the gas station and, and get some petrol and a, and, a, and, a, and a jug of milk. Nothing was open. There's something different about Christmas Day. 
And y'all know what holiday is. You know it comes from the Old English, and it means holy day. Right? It's holy. This day is not the same as the others. There's something different about that day. Right? And God, those days aren't common, and God is uncommon to the utmost degree. He's other than us. He's different than us. The, um, have you ever thought about this? What is the first petition in the Lord's Prayer? Everybody thinks about it, and you have the same answer I did, right? Thy kingdom come. Isn't that the first petition in the Lord's Prayer? And it's not, right? Um, the first petition is, hallowed be your name. Because if that was a statement, it would say, hallowed is your name. So when Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said, the first petition you make is God help us to remember to make your name holy. Right? And I wonder if, you know, we desperately want his kingdom come, his will be done. But I wonder if that'll never happen if we don't learn to keep his name holy. Y'all, he's not the same as us. He's holy. Is that okay? Second phrase, what is holy means? It means set apart. What's the appropriate response for something that's a cut above, right? How do I treat something that's so special, so unique, so other? I set it apart. I had a grandmother with a china cupboard. Anybody have a grandma with a china cupboard? Any of you rich people have your own china cupboard? <laughs> right? I had a grandma with a china cupboard, and there was these amazing, beautiful dishes in here. And let me tell you something, because I learned it. You do not eat your Cheerios in the china that will not play well. It does not go. Why? Because this is for special occasions, right? It's set apart for a special use. It's the china cupboard, right? God is even more set apart, more special and unique than Granny's china. And I love in the Psalms, with, you know, King, we learn from King David and the other psalmists, Asaph and Moses and the sons of Korah and all these guys and girls. We learn you can be with God brutally frank and brutally honest. And you can ask the tough questions, how long, O oh Lord? And why do the wicked prosper? And how, how long are, are we going to cry and we don't hear your voice? And, and where are you? And you can also dance at your daddy's feet, we learn from the Psalms. And you can celebrate and you can sing. You can do all these things, but you know what you, what you can do is you can't walk up to God and say, yo, what's up, Holmes? You don't, because he's not your homeboy, right? He's God. He's set apart. There's something in my heart that, that is both attracted and terrified at the same time. Right? The, the Mount, Sound, Mount Sinai, if I can say that word right, was trembling and covered in a dark smoke. Right? And, um, and God was somewhere in there. And I wonder why. Does God like literally say, I'm coming. I'm going to shroud myself in darkness. Or is it that creation just cannot actually handle when God decides to physically rock up? You know, was the darkness protecting Mount Sinai from also melting? I don't, you know what I'm saying? But, but creation was struggling because God was like rocking up, you know, big time. And the mountain was shaking and there were thunders and lightnings and God was speaking and God was drawing on tablets and then making Moses draw on tablets later because he, you know, threw a temper tantrum and he broke them. And, right? But in the middle of that in Exodus 20, check it out. The Israelites told Moses, um, you go by the scary mountain and we're going to hide in our tents. Because that's scary, right? Um, I wrote a song out of that about 20 years ago. And I said this. The song says, God, I want to come closer. 
close enough to fear. Right? I want to draw nearer. I want to go higher until your strength is my only hope. I don't want to stay hiding in my tent where I can handle it. Right? He's not safe, but he's good. So there's not a warning label. Right? But he's, but he's, he's holy, y'all. Right? He's not my homeboy. Make no mistake. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the Lord of glory. He's the King of the universe. The hills melt like wax at his presence. The angels bow. The demons flee. The wind and the waves still recognize his voice. Death and hell tangled with him one time, and they won't try it again. He reigns supreme over every entity, authority, and force in the universe. He is the eternally self-existent I am, the one true God. He is not like you. He is not like me. He's God, and he's holy. Amen. See, I am my friend Tish here, and I treat her with a level of respect, right? Because she is created in the image of my God. So I treat her with respect, you know? And every one of you, but I'm just picking on Letitia, right? I don't just treat her with respect because I'm afraid of Cicle's muscles. I also treat her with respect because she's created in God's image, right? So I show her respect, but I show God a whole nother level of respect that I don't show any other of my fellow humans because he's God. So this word profane, um, it doesn't mean to just drop F-bombs and S-bombs all over the place. Profane means to treat something holy as if it were common. That's what it means. So here's an example, right? How many of you would walk into a funeral and, start, and just loudly talk about the most recent Orlando Pirates match? Like, hey, that game, let me see the name of it. I thought I could remember the name of this match. Hey, that, that, that Pirates Barroca match. Hey, the tying goal in the 91st minute, ne? Yo, come on, y'all, that was yesterday. No Pirates fans here? Oh, come on. Hey, hey, all right. You know, when you're in that funeral, what did you see? Man, the 91st minute, hey, Nicholas, you wouldn't do that in a funeral. Why? Why is that inappropriate? Why is it? Because there's something there that's special. And we don't treat it like we walked into the Burger King. Hey? And it's the same thing with the presence of God. We can walk in there, look, we can, we can tell God, we can, be, we can be real with our questions, we can ask the difficult questions, we can, be, we can be frank, we can be honest, but we don't, but we have that level of respect at the same time. Because I didn't just walk into the Burger King, right? It's set apart. It carries this idea of exclusivity, right? Exclusivity. God is the only one I look to for certain things, y'all. Right. I need to feel my personal journey, a lot of insecurity. Right. And so I tried to find security. I was talking with a friend of mine today I for a while, tried to find security by developing a sharper wit than the people who were making my life hell. And I got there. Right. It was really stupid. Y'all, it was a little kid. I started watching stand up comedians and learning to do this banter. Right. You make me the butt of the joke. Everyone's going to be laughing. But in five seconds, everyone's going to be laughing at you. Right. It's cool until I've damaged all of my friendships. And then even my mother had my mother crying. 
because it was, you know what I'm saying? It, it, it wasn't, it, it was a mess. But that's, but, but I was looking to something other than God for a need I had. And it didn't make the cut. It did not meet my need. Because that thing of making me understand how significant I am and that I matter and I'm accepted, that's God's space. Even my wife can't do that. She can't. As soon as you look to your spouse or your girlfriend or boyfriend or to your parent or to a group of friends or to money or to anything for that thing, it's over. They can't. They don't have the goods. They can't do it. And that's where you have all kinds of nonsense like codependency and all these other things coming in. That's God's spot. Please don't give that to anyone else. It is exclusively God's. And there are several needs in your life and mine that belong to him. Exclusively him. Can we remember that phrase? Exclusively him. So the first question was, do I treat myself as holy? Excuse me, do I treat God as holy? I have one more question for you. Do I treat myself as holy? I borrowed this bowl from Hannes. Um, evidently, he likes pretty bowls. He's going to be mad at me. He actually took it from, um, from a church, from a, from a kitchen here. He's not in here to defend himself, so it's all good, right? The scripture says, be holy as I am holy. That can be a lot of pressure, but actually maybe it's not if we have a deeper look. Um, be holy as I am holy. So here I have a beautiful serving bowl. Now look at this thing, man. I want to serve a lacquer salad in it or, um, you know, some, or some, some pudding or some, some Melkos, actually, at Melkos, right? But now forgive me, I'm just going to be really, I'm just going to cut to the chase here. If someone used it as a bedpan, would you now be excited to serve your Melkos? Hey, it doesn't matter how pretty it is now. Like, hey, no, ah, mm, now just take that, just, mm, nope. Recycle, just pitch it. No, it's done, right? And it's inappropriate to treat something that's meant for some specific purpose, like melkos, right? It's completely wrong to treat it like a bedpan. So I want to ask, how are you treating yourself? What does God say about you? And if you're brutalizing yourself every time you make a mistake, can I say, God says you are a sacred vessel that he set aside for sacred purposes. And he has a value invested in you. And if you're treating yourself like a bedpan, God is not agreeing with you. And you know, I don't want to be disrespectful to you, but if I must choose between your opinion of you and God's opinion with you, I'm going to go with God. He's just smarter than you. How are you treating yourself? Do you know why you're holy? Yeah, because I finally made it this week without swearing. A week. <laughs> now I'm holy. No. You know why you're holy? Because God decided to make you holy. That's how it works. Moses saw a bush burning but not burning up, and he said, well, that's interesting. I'm going to have a look at that. He went over there, and the bush started talking. Y'all know when, he, when they started talking, you know, he stepped back. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, and the bush said, of course, he figured out quick it was God, take your shoes off because the place you're standing is holy. Why was that ground holy? 
Is there a burning bush? No, no, no. It's holy because God is holy and God said the ground is holy. Boom. Done. Because he's God. He touched it. He set it aside. So guess what? One day, every one of you who've surrendered your hearts to Jesus, one day, whether it was yesterday or this morning or last year or 10 years ago or whenever, for me it was, it was um, in June of 1987, one day you looked Jesus proverbially in the eye and you said, I'm a mess. I need a Savior. And I believe it, Jesus. I believe, you, I believe you were born of a virgin and lived your whole life without sinning. And you're fully God and fully mad. You died on the cross to pay for me and my sins. And you rose from the dead. And you ascended to the right hand of the Father. I believe it all. And I've sinned like a lot. Please forgive me and be my Lord. You said something like that to Jesus. And you know what God did in that instant? He made you holy. He said, I am holy in this one is mine and you are made holy then once and for all once and for all in your spirit now how that thing works out in the soul I want to say shameless plug since I get to participate but y'all come to LTS in February we're going to dig into how that works itself out in the soul but you're holy because God said so he made you holy and it's done finish and glor man it's done. He made you holy. So how are you treating yourself? Right? God said, be holy because I am holy. And if I profane myself by abusing myself or criticizing myself or beating myself up or saying ugly things, or if I profane myself by behaving in an unholy way, right? If I sin, right? There was um, one of my really good friends and I've told a lot of her stories here, my friend Nancy. Um, they adopted two girls. And those girls came out of the most difficult, extraordinarily it's unfair for children to go through the things that they went through. But she adopted these two. She and her husband adopted these two girls. And this one girl went through a really, really difficult time. And here's a funny thing. This girl was 11, and she could have been a model at any magazine. It was the strangest thing. She was a striking girl. And um, she was going through this difficult time, and she would throw the most incredible, ugly attitudes in public. I mean, like meltdown in public. Like if, and all of a sudden, this face that, um, you know, that, that should have been winning beauty pageants, the ugliest cloud and things, you know? And it just didn't, it didn't work. And one time I said to her, I don't understand, Hope. You're, you're such a strikingly beautiful person, and these ugly attitudes just don't fit. You know? And then she told me what I could do. <laughs> she wasn't having it, right? It wasn't my place. I'm not her daddy or her mama. It was a funny moment, eh? <laughs> you know? Right? But it's a thing. It's, um, and that's a silly, natural example, Right? But it's a shame when someone who's, who is holy and who God has invested his very righteousness in now looks like the world. It doesn't fit. So if I'm mixing the things of this world and the attitudes of this world with the holiness of God that he invested in me, that's a mess. That doesn't work, right? God says, be holy because I am holy. So I don't want to do that. Another thing 
Am I treating myself as holy? Here's a question. Am I exclusively his? Do I turn to other things to meet some of my needs? All right? There's a game that a great teacher who's gone to be the Lord now, um, he calls it Lord of the Rings because that movie had come out and he thought, what an opportunity. <laughs> right? Lord of the Rings. And he said, then this is how we play. We play Lord of the Rings with God. And he said it with this, with this deep Oklahoma accent. He said, now we like to play this game with God. We call it Lord of the Rings. I said, God, now I want you to be in charge of me going to heaven. And I want you to be in charge of me being blessed. But now when we talk about how I behave at work, I'll take care of that. And we talk about my love life and my sex life, I'll take care of that. Right. But then um, but you be in charge of my kids education being paid for. Is it, are you OK with this arrangement, God? And God don't play Lord of the Rings. He is Lord of all. Right. He doesn't do that. So if I'm not exclusively his in every arena of my life. Then um, then I'm violating my own holiness because, hey, you're holy. You are. You belong to a holy God, the only God, and you are holy. The believer who tolerates sin in his life has forgotten who God is and has forgotten who they are. Like how you say, I forgot who God is. The example, Leviticus 19, 1 and 2, be holy because I am holy. And then he gives 30 mandates, right? And these are not, and he's not saying, do these things and then you'll be holy. No, no, no. First he says, be holy. Right? So what are these things? These are the outflows of a, of, a, of a holy life. And by the way, over half of them have nothing whatsoever to do with just behavior. They have to do with how we treat one another. All right? So if you want to see holiness, look most of all at how you treat others. And you'll see if the holiness of God is, is expressing itself in your life. All right? But of these 30, after 15 of them, God says over and over, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Why does he keep saying it over and over? Because if you don't remember who he is, then there's no hope of you living a holy life. And if you don't know, remember who he is, how on earth can you remember who you are? Because you are his. Right? I am the Lord your God. And if I'm tolerating sin in my life, I clearly haven't seen him in a while. Clearly. Because I wouldn't be running to that to meet my needs, would I? I wouldn't be going there. Am I exclusively his? Exclusively him, exclusively his. First Peter, this is the conclusion, y'all. All right. First Peter, um, First Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16 say this. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober... Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had, check this out, when you lived in ignorance. I'm like, yo, is he being rude? No, he means when you didn't know that there was Jesus or who he is or that he's called you and that you have hope in him. Before you knew Jesus, you had evil desires, but now your hope is in Jesus. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. 
So we have these the same things from Leviticus 19. We have a reminder of who God is, and we have a reminder of who we are. But then Peter sets his mandate for holiness in the context of hope. Where's your hope? See, I've been disillusioned a few times in my life because I was hoping in what I wanted God to do. And it's just a shade of difference. It's just a couple degrees off. But if I'm hoping in God to do that healing, I'm actually hoping in the healing. What do you do if the healing doesn't come? God's a sovereign God. By his stripes, we were healed, and we were. We will see Jesus, and we will be like him. Ain't going to be no COVID. Ain't going to be no cancer. Ain't going to be no lameness and blindness. Ain't going to be nothing. We're going to see him. We're going to be like him. By his stripes, we were healed. And sometimes Jesus sovereignly, as a gift, works a healing right here on earth, on this side of eternity. And then sometimes he doesn't. And it's so hard to wrap our hands around and try to and wrap our minds around and try to explain why. But what do I do with this disappointment? And if I, my hope stayed in that healing that never happened, I'm, I'm done. It's two degrees off, but it's a really important two degrees. I do not hope in the works of God. I hope in the character of God. I hope in him. I'm not seeking his hands. I'm seeking his face. Right? And in the most incredibly agonizing disappointment and disillusionment of my life, I was asking God painful, hard questions like the Psalms. And I was saying things like, where were you? You know, and, you know, it's and God tolerated. You know, it's not the, the best way to speak to the Lord of the universe. But he but he did not run off on me. Right. And I would ask those things. And he said he would answer every one of them. I love you, <laughs> you know, and I went through that whole season. And at the end of that season, I heard this song by Matt Redman. It messed me up. It still messes me up. I tried to sing it with Luke a couple weeks ago. It didn't go well. It messes me up. And the song says, um, we're standing on a battleground and we're looking at all the, all the wreckage and all the things that have happened. And with every defeat and every victory, what we see when we look back is this. Never once did we ever walk alone. Never once did you leave us on our own. You are faithful, God. You are faithful. Right? Is your hope in what you want God to do? Or is your hope in God? If your hope is in health, or is your hope in finances, is your hope in provision, what's going to happen is there's going to be a disappointment. Or our desires will revert to the evil things we wanted when all we knew about was health and money and relationships. When we lived in ignorance. Do you see what I'm saying? And, and if I fix my hope on those things, it won't be long till my desires lead me into sin. And you know what? Those things don't measure up to God. Even that healing, right? Lazarus was raised from the dead. What? Do you know what happened? Who knows? 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, y'all know what happened? Lazarus died again. Can you believe it? What? But he was raised from the dead. Y'all... That healing I'm hoping for, that provision that need to be met, that, that 
God to wipe out this debt or God to take care of this big thing that I need. And he does, y'all. He does miracles. He provides. He does these things. But those things I'm wanting God to do are still temporary things. They're things of this earth. They're going to pass away. They're going to be gone, y'all. They're going to be gone. Don't open that stuff. Ask God to do it, hey? Ask God to do it. I mean, it's, it's perfectly fine. But don't put your hope in the stuff. Put your hope in your Father. Put your hope in your Father. Because I don't want to hope in things that are going to pass away. I do not want to hope in that. It's not going to last. Provision's not going to last. Health is not going to last. Relationships are not going to last. It's not going to last. Right? There is a place in my life that is exclusively for God and God alone. Exclusively him. The second thing is exclusively his. Verse 17 in 1 Peter 1 says, live out your time here as foreigners in reverent fear. Hey, but the xenophobia, God, it's not going to go well. And these people, they're scared of Christians sometimes, right? Uh, my friend Joso telling me, he tries to, he prays for people sometimes. And um, people walk past, hi, these Christians. Ah, and you give them a hard time, you know. But I'm supposed to live as a foreigner. Why a foreigner? Because I do not belong to this earth. You, if you've given your heart to Jesus, you do not belong to this earth. You're a citizen of heaven. Back when I was a youth pastor, I used to tell the teenagers, call the men in black because there's an alien in the house. It's me. Right? I'm a citizen of something outside of earth, and so are you, right? I don't belong to any power on this earth. I don't belong to any person on this earth, not even my amazing wife. I belong to Jesus and Jesus alone. And verse 18 and 19 remind us that he purchased our lives not with perishable stuff like gold and silver, temporary things that won't last. He purchased my life with the blood of Jesus that is eternal I was purchased, it says, with an imperishable seed. It has eternal value and eternal power. So you can't buy my loyalty with wealth, and you can't buy my loyalty with money or health or political power or anything else that belongs to this world and going to pass away with it. I am born of an imperishable seed. I'm going to outlast this world. I'm going to outlive all of its problems. I'm going to outlive all of my problems. I'm going to outlive all of your problems. I'm going to outlive every kingdom, every politic, every, every governor, every government, and you're going to outlive all of it with me because we don't belong to this world. We are purchased with an imperishable seed, right? I belong to Jesus and only to Jesus. And I'm not going to give any piece of my heart to anything or anybody else. Do you treat yourself as holy, exclusively his? So the first question we asked tonight was this. Do I treat God as holy? Have I forgotten his greatness? Have I misused his name? I, um, I saw, I just had a memory come up of Seattle, Washington, when we were praying before service. There's a mountain there called Mount Rainier, or Rainier, uh, I don't know how to say it. All right, Mount Rainier. Um, it's, it's, Seattle sits a few miles 
west of the Rocky Mountains, way on the west coast of the United States. And most of the big, tall, amazing mountains are in Colorado, of course. i got to say that because my girl's from Colorado, right? But there's some of them in Washington, too. But this mountain is off from the other mountains for some reason. I don't, you know, you guys who studied the crust of the earth and all those things and however it did that, right? But for whatever reason, it's over there, you know, and there's hills and stuff. And then this big old mountain, like, whoa, a big one, y'all. I'm not talking like Machubasklov or Machalisberg. I'm talking snow on the top all year long. It's a mountain, right? And it's stunning. It's so beautiful. And here's the thing. All year long on Interstate 5, a couple million people who live in Seattle sit in their car on the interstate, and they text when they should not be texting and driving. And they swear at the people at the traffic jam around them. And y'all look, it's Mount Rainier. You rock, dude. Okay? Um, that's an interesting view. It's from the south, but from the north, um, when you look at it, you're on the freeway, and you're literally, it's just 300 meters. It's just right there. You're on the freeway, and it's like, whoa, you know? And because they grew up with it, and they're always around it, they're not even struck by its majesty anymore. They just text on a cell phone and cuss at the taxi drivers. And you're sitting next to that. And my cry today was, God, would you cut through the fog of my distraction and my nonsense and let me see your majesty again? What a tragedy, what a travesty to be next to the majesty of Almighty God and not even notice because I got stress at work. God, there's nobody like you. There's nobody like you. So do I treat him as holy or do I give his place to other things or other people? Well, I'll feel better once the season at work is over with. No, 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 you'll feel better once you look at his majesty and you ask him to walk with you through this season at work. All right? Do I, give his, do I give place to anything in my life that should be reserved exclusively for God? Do I treat God as holy? And I would like to ask you, will you ask yourself that tonight? Because maybe God is saying, hey, I'm here, and I'm, I'm majestic, and I'm everything you need. Right? And he's calling you back. Believer, he's calling you back. Right? The second question we ask is, do I treat myself as holy? Am I distracted by desires or lusts or cravings of this world that won't last? Have I given part of my heart or entrusted some of my hope to anything other than Christ? Maybe that's given rise to some serious disillusionment and pain. Maybe it's given rise to just good old proper sin. You know, one person characterized sin as fulfilling a godly desire in an ungodly way. Right? So am I treating myself as holy or am I distracted or am I hoping in something other than God? Am I exclusively his or am I playing, or am I playing Lord of the Rings with God? Do I have divided loyalties with God? Have I been devastated or disillusioned by an outcome I was hoping for that didn't materialize? And do I need to return my heart to God? 
I hadn't, that memory I shared with you guys, I felt like the Lord told me to. I hadn't thought of that. It's been at least 10 years since that crossed my mind. And the Lord just flooded that thing. Um, the fir- actually, the first time Ruzan said the Father's arms were open wide, the Lord took me to that spot in the, in the, on the carpet in Dallas, Texas. I'm telling you, that carpet probably still wet, right? And he took me to that spot. And I was like, God, I remember, God, I'm yours again. And I, I couldn't leave it, so I had to come submit to Letitia. Um, I wonder if the Lord is saying this. Is the Lord saying that to you tonight? Right? But when was the last time you crawled in my lap and said, Daddy? So if any of these questions resonated with you tonight, so Lord, I want to regard you as holy. I've just, I've just been doing my thing. And paying attention to everything else. And I'm just forgetting. I'm the guy on Interstate 5 looking at his cell phone and yelling at the other drivers. When your majesty is right here. And I'm not even noticing. Right? That's me. Or God, I'm the one who's been abusing myself with my inner self-talk. And and calling myself names. And angry at myself. And beating myself up. And, and you would never speak that way to me. So you forgive me for treating your child the way I've treated myself. Right? Maybe that's you. Or maybe, you, maybe the Lord says, this is the ring that you've been trying to be Lord of. Won't you surrender that to me tonight? If there's any of those questions that resonate with you, won't you stand with me? Let's take a step towards honoring the holiness of God and the holiness that he has given to us. Right. And what I'm going to do is, um, is I'm going to pray. I think Ruzan's going to minister in music, which is wonderful. Um, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to ask you to do this. Um, especially, guys, could you just allow that music to just wash over us? Don't keep it super quiet and sweet, but let it be really present if that's, if that's okay. Um, so I normally don't like to tell sound guys what to do because they're smarter than me and they're amazing. <laughs> right? But I'm going to pray my own prayer. But this music is going to provide a covering, right? So that you can feel comfortable to pray out loud. And would you pray? We asked a lot of questions, and I don't know what the Lord is resonating in your heart tonight. But make your own altar, and you're welcome. Um, I invited you to stand with me, but if you'd like to pray, to turn around and kneel at your chair, or come up here, or just do whatever, however the Lord leads you to respond, whatever feels like an appropriate response to Him. But why don't you begin to pray as I pray. Father, I thank you for who you are. God, I want to say to you that you are the most holy. Not only are you holy, God, you are the most holy. There's no one like you. God, you're the highest. You're the you're, you're the most high. The, the Bible calls you the most high. Lord, I forgive me for, for using your name in vain. Forgive me for, for, um, for turning to other things to meet my needs. If I need to feel secure when I've needed, to, when I've needed a, a little bit of peace or a little bit of hope, and I'll turn to this or I'll turn to that um, instead of running to you, God. Forgive me for thinking I'll be okay after this is over or I'll be okay after that is over and thinking some kind of temporary situation will bring me the peace I need when actually, God, you are the Prince of Peace. 
peace. You are my peace, God. So, Lord, forgive me for that. And, Lord, I regard you as holy. There's nobody like you, God. You're set apart. You're not me. You're not like anyone on this earth. And there's no one in the universe like you. You're the most powerful. You're the most loving. You're the most holy, God. And I honor you. And right now, I worship you, God. I worship you. I declare your holiness. I declare your greatness. I ascribe to your name majesty and honor and praise. You are great, God. I worship you. Lord, would you forgive me for mistreating myself? You said, be holy as I am holy, but I've refused to acknowledge that I'm holy. I've treated myself like a piece of dirt. I've treated myself like an unholy vessel. I've treated myself like a bedpan, something to be stepped on and kicked around. Every time I make my a mistake, Instead of coming to you and repenting, I've run off and hid and just kicked myself and felt sorry for myself and said, why can't I ever change God? And I've sinned against you, God, by mistreating myself. And I repent. God, forgive me. I want to agree with you as arrogant as it sounds and say, God, thank you for making me holy. God, thank you for giving me your righteousness. God, help me because you made me holy. Help me to live like it. Help me to act like it. Because it's actually not an act. It's not hypocrisy. It's who I am. You made me holy. You made me righteous. And I surrender to it. I embrace it, God. I embrace your holiness inside of me. I embrace your righteousness inside of me, God. Lord, forgive me for every time I've played a game of divided loyalties. And Lord, I wouldn't have said it like this, but the truth is I want you to be Lord of taking me to heaven. And I want you to be Lord of blessing me. I want you to be Lord of blessing my finances. But I wanted to be in charge of this thing over here. I wanted to be in charge of that area over there. And I was saying things to you, God, like I surrender everything except my girlfriend. I surrender everything except my finances. I surrender everything except my attitude at work. Whatever it is, God forgive me. I repent. And I say, Lord, here is my life. Here is every domain that I can see. And I yield it all to you. And I say, Jesus, I surrender all the kingdoms of my heart. Jesus, be the Lord of all the kingdoms of my heart. Even there's maybe things in my heart that I don't even know are there. And God, I pray like the psalmist prayed. Search my heart, O God. See if there's any way in me that isn't yours. God, I'll surrender that to you too. Lord, all yours. I want to be all yours and exclusively yours. I don't want to give my heart to anything or anybody else. I say, Jesus, I am yours. I surrender all. Jesus, I surrender all. Lord, I worship you. I declare you are holy. And because you told me to be holy, I thank you that it is possible for me to be holy. And I declare as an act of my will, Jesus, I choose to be holy. Now, will you help me to act that way? Will you help me to treat others with justice and love? Will you help me to treat your name and your presence as holy? Lord, I ask you for this stuff in Jesus' name. Amen.